I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So the day seven edition of the Tennis Podcast comes to you from the car. On the way back from the US Open to Manhattan, we we can see the skyscrapers on the horizon, Catherine Whitaker and myself, as we come back after day session has completed, night session is still ahead, and it has been a day, I think, largely without shocks overall, hasn't it, so far? Unless you describe Conta beating Klushkovic, hang on a second, Chong Wong beat Ash Barty? Of course. Um, and Pliskova beat Contra, although I'm not sure how shocked anyone necessarily is by that. It's felt like a, a hangover day. Yeah. Uh, it has felt... Um, Which is quite appropriate, because <laughs> I had four beers last night. <laughs> it's felt... Yeah, it's felt like today has still been all about last night. Yes, yeah. And and just just to reference last night, we, we covered the... Um, that in obviously in great depth last night um one one thing that has happened today we've had a lot of correspondence well, you know a fair amount of correspondence anyway from from you our listeners um certainly some of you uh who feel as though we slightly misread elements of the coco golf naomi osaka aftermath um which we watched without sound in a bar um and we didn't attend the press conferences. We hadn't read the press conference transcripts by the time um, that podcast was recorded. And I think the, the the general gist of what most people were saying is that the reaction of Naomi Osaka came very much from the heart, which I think is what we said. Um, but that there was never any sort of nobody was putting her up to that, um, and nobody was sort of forcing Coco Goff to do to do what she did on court which was an interview with Naomi Osaka I think the I still felt uncomfortable I still feel uncomfortable with so many aspects of this whole story uh, I just it just automatically makes me feel a little uncomfortable but I, it did open my eyes when I read the transcript particularly of Osaka her insight into having been in that situation herself as a young player trying to deal with some of these moments some of these losses and and those words that we then subsequently heard from her that she had experienced going into the locker room and and suffering or crying alone and in her words to Coco Goff on the court there she felt it would be better for her to to just share it and talk about it yeah we were 
I mean, we were speculating with incomplete information, weren't we? Which is what a lot of this podcast is premised <laughs> upon. Um, but boy, did did both of them complete that information picture in their press conferences. It was an absolutely... Um, uh, the, the, the quotes from those press conferences were, were jaw-dropping, really, particularly from Osaka. I mean, the, the tributes that... The, that Goff paid to Asaka and the words that she had for her so staggeringly articulate yeah. first and foremost yeah. um, that turn of phrase she used, she used about what uh, being an athlete means to her and it's about um, I mean I'm, I'm going to butcher her absolutely perfect words now but it's about competing like the opponent is your worst enemy and then being their friend off the court um, trust me, she put it far, far better than yeah, that. It was impressive. Um, but Asaka's um, the insights she provided into the experience, the lonely experience of losing, and all the elements of that that you don't see, and and the fact that she she thought it would be a cathartic experience for Coco Goff to do her crying or to get some of the crying I'm sure there was more in fact we know there was more because she she did a, an on-court interview today after her extraordinary doubles win alongside Katie McNally they're into the third round folks the Coco Goff train keeps on choo-chooing um, yeah the the insights into you know it's better to do some cathartic crying out here and do less of it alone in the shower yeah. in the locker room and that was quite an arresting picture she painted there and yeah it was a moment of extraordinary compassion I don't I, I hope that in the in the four beers incomplete information moment last night we didn't doubt the compassion or or motives of uh, Osaka um, in terms of you know cynicism or anything but no I, I, I certainly didn't feel like that I didn't, don't think we did it's, I, it was I, I hope it can it the listeners can consider it a marker of just how unusual the moment that was. We yeah. really didn't I haven't seen it. Didn't like that know. Um, and, it, it, and and also, I, I just found the insight from Osaka in in those words. And and she was talking about the, doing the crying in public. It, it's kind of talking therapy, isn't it? It's 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 what people are getting used to in in life now. That you're better off talking about things. You're better off sharing things a lot of the time, uh, even if it might not feel like something you want to do yeah I mean look it still feels alien to me the fact that seeing a 15 year old (laughs) cry publicly could be a a good thing my instinct is to look at that and go no (laughs) let her go and cry in private Mm. but she is a different kind of 15 year old to the 15 year old that I was so and to most it would seem Naomi Osaka is more similar to Coco Goff than than probably anybody else in the world and what 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 an allegiance they could be what yeah. a help they could be to one another and actually you mentioned her doubles with Katie McNally today that was lovely to see the man, I think we've talked about doubles as just being good for the soul and um, and you could see how how much how enjoyable that was for them yeah although pretty depressing to discover that a doubles team have a combined age younger than your own that happens to me a lot, Catherine, to be quite honest. Uh, 33 and three months, yeah. McNally and Goff. And yeah. an age gap between Goff, the youngest player on the court, and Kaveta Peschke, 
44 years of age on the other side of the net. <laughs> is that right? An age gap of nearly 29 years. Wow, I didn't realise that. Unbelievable. Yes, Christ. So, oh, there's, there's a player almost older than me. No, not quite, but not far off. They, the, Melikar and Peshka had a combined age older than yours. OK, They were well, seven, 70. Thanks for that morsel You're welcome. Comfort. You are welcome. <laughs> Right. So, anyway, today started with Ash Barty losing to um, Wang Chang. And that was a surprise to me, just the sheer... How erratic she was today. There's usually usually such a, a reliability to her backhand slice and to the forehand attack and the serve. And just things were just not in the groove today were they and how badly she played the big points I think we've come to think of her as somebody that just copes with things you know just somebody that's so chilled out that she'll she'll play the same whether it's love all or 15 love or 40 love as she will when it's break point or set point or a point of massive significance and that absolutely was not the case today which I found very very interesting maybe she's not quite as water off a duck's back as as we all think she is which is absolutely fine and understandable but it's it's a reminder that these people aren't robots yeah uh, and that's the thing isn't it it's difficult to know exactly what what's gone what's happened differently since the french open title and the, the wimbledon disappointment in the end even though she was amazing for the first few rounds and now here we are she hasn't made the quarterfinals of um of the US Open but um, Wang Chiang it's a, it's a nice story for her it's her first Grand Slam quarterfinal we spoke earlier this this summer about the the death of Peter McNamara and uh, he was her coach for, for a long time and I, I went into her press conference just to ask her about him um, and she's, she doesn't speak a huge amount of English but you could see the moment that I mentioned his name that how it how important he had been for her and how seriously she considered their time together and the difference he had made that you know she said he turned me into a professional tennis player um and and she was really warm about him um so you know it was a, that was a nice story and then and then we also had Grigor Dimitrov reaching the quarterfinals who was also coached by Peter and um during very know, very formative Years for, yeah. for for Grigor Dimitrov. It, yeah, there's something sort of wonderful about it, but also desperately, desperately sad. How much yeah. would he have enjoyed today? Oh, he would, for sure, for sure. Um, but at least we can. But Grigor's in the quarterfinals. That is true. It is nice to see Grigor Dimitrov doing well again. I mean, he's had some luck, hasn't he? He had a walkover against Borna Choric. But goodness me, he looked good today. He beat Alex Dimonor. In straight sets, He is not a, not a rollover. I watched quite a lot of that match. And there was a, a security about the, the, the ball striking of Dimitrov. He was playing within himself he was using his movement um, and you know Dimonor didn't give it to him he played well I mean I, I can't see him troubling Federer the way Federer's playing suddenly now but he's never really troubled Federer has, no. has it 7-0 as the head to head he's won one or two sets yeah and okay this is a a, a great tournament for Grigor and uh, 
I hope, a turning point. But Federer has looked absolutely jaw-dropping for two rounds now. It's interesting, and isn't it, the way he's turned that around. I mean, he was one break of serve down at the start against Goffin, one, two down. He then won 15 points in a row. He won the next... So how many did... What did he win? He won... He then won 5-11... It was his fifth fastest win at the US Open. He won 17 of the next... He won a lot of points. 19 games, <laughs> I believe. I mean, six love, third set. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> exit stage left for David Goffin, the Cincinnati finalist. I mean, Goffin became a ball machine for him. And, that, yep. and I'm, I'm not saying that to disrespect David Goffin. I've got massive respect for him. He's a, a really, really good player. It's just to illustrate the level that Federer was playing at today. Um, yep. I don't. I mean, that's you know, as you said, that's two matches in a row now when he's just wiped the floor with good players. Um, yeah, I, I hope Grigor isn't wiped, used yeah. as a wipe. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's something he can use as a positive and a springboard. Yeah. I hope he leaves New York not with a memory of being used as a mop. And so say all of us. <laughs> um, so that's what happened. And uh, you mentioned the the other minor upset of Carolyn Pliskova going out. Now I suppose it is an upset in as much as she was third seed. She was all. She's also had a six-one head-to-head before today against Conta. But we did come in to it, and we said said on the show last night that we thought Conta would win, and and that that. That happened, and I'm. I was more surprised when she ended up losing the first set than I was that that Pliskova ended up going out because, I mean, Conta was all over in that first set and, and somehow managed to not win it. Yeah, that's one of the portions of last night's show that's aged better <laughs> than some of the other portions. Um, Go into our archives and you'll see all sorts of ageing. There's, there's all sorts of stuff that has aged very badly. Um, oh, this is my hotel. We're Fantastic. Here. That was quick, wasn't it? It was, not it? Um, probably just quickly time for, for me to summarise thoughts on Joe Conta. Um, she was a break-up in that opening set, and I thought I was suddenly thinking, and I, I think those around me, Tim and Greg and Daniela, were thinking, this could be really quick. This could be a, a rout of the third mm. seed. Um, and it wasn't. And actually, Pliskova was a set and three one up. And you're thinking, dear, oh dear. But then as soon as Conta managed to take it into a third... Suddenly, someone plucks out her three-set record for the year, and it was sixteen and three. It's now seventeen and three. That's astonishing. In three setters, that must be tour leading. Yeah, I mean that that has to be one of the best three-set records we've had in a season by anybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good night. Oh, so I've managed to get my bags out of Catherine's car. Dear, dear. If only I had got slightly more collapsible legs. It takes a bit of time to get out. Anyway, we're out. We're now in the lobby of Catherine's Hotel again, which is uh, where we see every, see Nick Kyrgios every ten minutes. Um, oh, I, th- I, I think he's checked out. Yeah. Withdrawn from the doubles. Poor old Marius Coppel. His dream of US Open doubles success has died. <laughs> well, you know, you, there are upsides in the... <laughs> potential downsides of a partner with Nick and uh, I mean look Kyrgios clearly just needs to get out of town and do something else anyway we're not talking about him today Um, so 
what else? Are we, where were we? We were talking Conter. about Conter, who now faces the winner of Svitolina Keys, which is going on at the moment, which uh, which I'll bring you up to date with Four, later. Five Svitolina. Okay. Um, just it's just an extension again of what we've been discussing throughout the tournament, isn't it? This this demeanour of hers. I mean, she's different. Si- she's a she's different player. Different player. To, I always hark back to the US Open um, the French Open last year and that first round lost Yulia Putin saver um, which precipitated um, rude word gate um, <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of her well now handful of altercations with the with the British press um, because I think and the question that precipitated the the outpouring of frustration was one about her lack of adaptability and her right. one-dimensionality and her mm. inability to um, develop any kind of plan B. They, I think the question was, your game was not working out there, Joe, and you just kept banging your head against a brick wall and hoping it would work. Um, and her, her response to, to that element of it was, I know my game, I know what works for me, I've got to believe in it. Um, and trust it and and that's the only way I know how now she's definitely believing and trusting in her game but she's also developed sort of plans B, C and D as far as I can gather there's there so many more ways that she can win points and I think that is making her feel an awful lot more relaxed and confident on the point because she's she, on the court because she's not thinking oh god it's not working it's not working today it's not working against her what am I going to do she goes okay what, what I've that's really, not working what I still haven't else. personally got to the, to the bottom of is what was going on in those three matches where she lost at Wimbledon against Stritzva, who's a tricky player, the sort of player who puts her in awkward positions, and then the two losses she had after that, because I watched some of those and she was using, trying to use drop shots and different half pace shots and things like that and really wasn't getting it right at all I mean, she was getting beaten heavily I think I remember having an exchange with you about why is Joe Contest slicing a backhand? This is yeah. not. She should not be doing this. Yeah, uh, and it, it's it's that very fine line, isn't it, between you bringing this other dimension into your game and just using it badly. And if you don't use what you, I mean, and we've we've talked about all these players who have way way more of a box of tricks, and if they don't know what to employ when, they can't be successful. And and. And it's it's almost a curse sometimes to have loads of options if you if you just don't have a pattern if you haven't been and it can help to be coached in that way, can't it? To to have sort of point winning patterns, We've, I've, I've often thought that about Dimitrov. Um, there have been successful periods for him with under Danny Valverde when he said, "Oh, I'm going to coach, concentrate on the serve and the forehand and his movement." You know, um, create muscle memory. Yeah, point muscle memory. so that you can do it on instinct and you're not having to think but I I guess it comes down to I would imagine just confidence there's a clarity of thought for Conta right now which is unreal really given she's come on in here on the back of two first round victories and yeah I talked about it at the time how struck I was by her pre-tournament interview I instantly thought well she knows something I don't know Mm. Um, and it didn't feel like she was doing that thing of 
talking a good game and trying to convince us all when really uh, she didn't believe it deep down. Yeah. She, I really believed her when she said, oh, I'm not worried about those first round losses. I've played enough tennis this year, if anything. I've played too much tennis this yeah, year and this could be said, doing yeah. me a favour. Yeah. And I think everyone looked around and went, right, you okay. Sure? This, is, this is a feat of, of psychology to turn two first round losses into, into a positive but she really has and how much of what ends up happening at the US Open is decided by how frazzled people are by what's what's come before it physically in the season I mean obviously it's determined by what's come before it but you know what I mean it's it's the it's the slam where there have been most opportunities on on the men's side over the past 10 years and that's because Everyone's on their last legs, aren't they, yeah, frankly? And, and I actually find this tournament quite interesting in her kind of journey and curve because she's had opportunities on paper here before and, and this has been the one that's frazzled her brain a little bit. You know, you, you think of the, um, the Sevastova um, loss that she had in the, in the fourth round here a few years ago when she was absolutely at the top of her, her game. Um, you know, there have been others and she lost in the first round the last two years it's just she just looks so fresh right now looks looks as um, though it's um, going to take a heck of a performance to beat her that's enabling her to think clearly on the court and yeah, yeah it's just that absolutely no sign of panic from her it's mm. it's amazing and seemingly um, I mean the situations will get more and more tense and more and more high stakes but seemingly no baggage from that I mean from Wimbledon yeah. Um, the quarterfinal against Stritzova and from um, the match at, at the French Open against Von Drusheva when yeah. of course there were those uh, well there was that one big big match changing miss wasn't there there were I mean and look you know Pliskova was a, a, a more formidable on paper opponent although Von Drusheva is clearly a very very big talent um she should have won that match really the way it was going uh, and, and so she's got over the line here it's Svitolina or Keys next 5 all 15-40 uh, on the key serve just a, just seems a, to be at a date quick word on Medvedev who, <laughs> um, who who came out a set and a breakdown against Dominic how do we pronounce his name Kofa is what Greg Wazetsky's saying I, I mean I'm only going with Greg, Greg's advice on pronunciation because I've got nothing else to go on. Okay. Um, um, but he's saying it very confidently, so let's... Let's go with that. Let's go for it. Two sets to one, uh, Medvedev's leading as we come to you. 5-4, um, Kofa. Um, it's, 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 it's clearly physically a struggle, this, for Medvedev, isn't it? I mean, he is low. Um, I mean, he, he basically needs to have a massive row to energise himself yeah well he told us that on the court last night in the single most heroic moment of uh, the US Open so far <laughs> he said you guys I was so tired today the only thing that carried me through was the ne- the energy yeah. that you provided me you with. might be f- wondering folks why the second podcast in a row that Catherine's saying this it's because she says it on a loop every <laughs> 10 minutes because it's her um, favourite thing ever I stand in the middle of my bedroom and I raise my arms aloft and I gesture towards the non-existent crowd come and get me New Yorkers <laughs> <laughs> okay alright well that's the day session done anything else struck you that you want to 
Uh, I feel like there's a result we haven't brought you. No, it's Medvedev, isn't it? Is the one we haven't brought you. Well, that's the sort of twilight result, isn't it? That's the one TBC. that's in. It's an afternoon result with which is leading into the night session. Just I like twi- I like these not before 5 p.m. Yeah. twilight matches here that I they do too. here. What what's the order of play like tomorrow? Um, because I know the evening session is Nadal against Chilich, isn't it? Nadal against Chilich, yes. You've 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 caught me out here, David. It's not actually not on the official app. They've only released the singles order of play tomorrow. Nadal against Chilich is night session. The day session is Fekic against Gerges is first up on Armstrong. Then it's Rublev against Berrettini on Armstrong, um, and then it's Arn against Mertens, and then it's Monfils against Andujar. Wow. Yeah, buy that girl a drink. And then that on That was a major Ash, feat of memorising. It is... I'll tell Asaka you. against Bencic first up. Oh, that's a good match, isn't it? Then it is Zverev against Schwartzman. I heard, actually, yeah, Osaka Bencic, then Zverev Schwartzman. Your memory's very good. Uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium, evening session, Chilich Nadal, then, then Townsend Andreescu. Taylor Townsend rocked up on the uh, practice court. It's probably only about 40 minutes ago now, just as we were coming off air, just as we were going live to our very last segment. And I just... I, I, I wanted to turn around and ask her if she'd be my friend, but there's just... <laughs> There's no acceptable way of doing that in the world, is there? <laughs> You're allowed to, you know, chat someone up and ask them if they want to go out to, with you, or they you used to be able to do that. Um, but you can't ask someone if they'll be your friend. Can't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if anybody out there has any success stories of that, I'm eager to hear them. Okay. I didn't ask, no. and we're not friends. Right. There you go. Well, she seemed lovely. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, so Osaka Benchich God there's some good matches tomorrow yeah, okay right well that's at 5 o'clock UK Osaka time Osaka Benchich and Andreski Townsend that's that's great it's a little bit ropier on the men's side it's difficult to see Chilich Nadal being that exc- I mean Zverev Schwarzman will probably be five gruelling drama filled sets probably yeah um, yeah that'll probably that'll probably be decent Rublev Berrettini Berrettini um, it's got some make, make making it up, up to, to do. do for Wimbledon. <laughs> yes, I knew you were going to say that. He, uh, he's the chap who played Roger Federer and really didn't turn up. Yeah, Roger Federer laughed at him mid-match. That is what happened there. <laughs> That's what happened. It was the shortest fourth-round match ever yeah. played at Wimbledon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I think we can leave it there uh, until after the evening session, which is well underway. Uh, and I will be back soon. Catherine's going to have a good, good old sleep and uh, be bright and bushy tomorrow. And so, yeah, we've got an evening session coming your way. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So several hours have passed. The night session has come and gone and a major shock has been registered at the US Open. Certainly a major shock on paper because the world number one, the defending champion, the overwhelming favourite for the title, Novak Djokovic, has been defeated in two and a bit sets by Stan Wawrinka. I mean, it is pretty much what we predicted. It would would happen yesterday in terms of the result, Um, but it was... Still a surprise to see Novak Djokovic retire after a couple of games of the third set. Maybe just one game, but after he was broken, certainly. Um, but he was, he was, there was clearly something not right all the way through the match. Certainly, I think at the start he was very competitive, but the, it was a sort of pinball match. He wasn't playing with quite the degree of intensity throughout, and uh, and that left shoulder is clearly problematic. We, we wait to find out from his press conference exactly how severe that is, whether he will actually detail that, we don't know. But um, the, the fact is, Stan Wawrinka's through and now plays Daniil Medvedev in the quarterfinals. It's not just me who's going to tell you all about this. Guess who you've been missing? Mr. Matt Roberts. Hello, Matt. How are you doing? Hello, David. I'm, I apologise if this is the whispering tennis podcast. 
but I'm trying not to wake up everybody in my house because it's <laughs> half past four in the morning. <laughs> now you are properly... Yeah, I mean, we've been calling you Grad Matt for, for a while now, but you have properly graduated now. Uh, in <laughs> fact, we don't even call you Grad Matt anymore, we, but, but uh, we call you Matt Roberts. But now this, you, you are proper tennis podcast material if you're waking up at 4.30 in the morning to record this show. I am hugely impressed. Uh, it's, it's 11.30 at night here. Um, what, what did you make of what you saw tonight? Well, as you said, you and Catherine pretty much called it on the podcast yesterday. We were all wondering how Djokovic's shoulder was, um, and clearly it was bothering him. He just looked so flat the whole match, so sort of listless and blank and none of the emotion that we see in his game when he's at his best. But having said all that, I give a huge amount of the credit here to Wawrinka because you have to be good enough to take advantage of of a lapse when Djokovic has them. And we know that Wawrinka can beat Djokovic at his best. And he just kind of bullied Djokovic from the back of the court today. And it's what we've seen from their matches in the past at Grand Slams. Wawrinka sort of moulds in to the best version of himself when he plays Djokovic. And just Djokovic kind of was bailing out on points a bit. And whether that was the shoulder or whether that was just because Wawrinka was playing too well, I'm not quite sure, to be honest, because it seemed that Djokovic was okay and then he just sort of checked out of the match at the end. Yeah, yeah. It it is something I've seen before with him when he's either mentally exhausted or whether if there's a physical ailment that he just, in his mind knows he can't compete or can't win the tournament or can't win the match and he, he, he hits these elastically powerful shots um, which are just just have a slightly different shape to them than his normal shots. They're a lot flatter, they're a lot more piercing, they're a lot faster through the air. I mean, he, he was standing it very well to, Nova, to, to Stan Wawrinka in terms of the rally generally, but it's just not the way he beats him. You know, he's got all these wins against him, but he's got those wins by exposing movement a, a little. I mean, mm. Stan Wawrinka moves well, but he doesn't move as well as Novak Djokovic. And... I mean, there were, there were some points that were genius, really, from Djokovic when he would occasionally come in and, and he volleys really effectively on the lunge these days. But if the, the straightforward strategy of standing toe-to-toe with Stan Wawrinka is ridiculous. You, it's, it's, I compare it to standing toe-to-toe and trying to outpunch George Foreman or, <laughs> or Anthony Joshua or someone like that who's just... Who's just who are the biggest punchers in the world. Um, you don't do that. You beat them in another way. And Djokovic has amassed 16 Grand Slam titles his way. He doesn't do it just by sheer destructive power. Um, so it, it, it's difficult to fathom really in terms of the tactics. So I think you end up having to go back to the, the sheer physical condition he was in. And I think the toll that that and the Vivrinka performance had on him mentally he he just he wasn't there he wasn't himself tonight mm. and I think the point Christopher Clary made on the podcast a couple of days ago is a is a very valid one talking about Djokovic you know he has had that elbow injury in the past and played through it and it ended up costing him sort of a lot of time out having to take have that surgery so if there are any doubts I think it's 
I think it was likely that he was always going to sort of err on the side of caution and not not play through it like he did with his elbow. Um, but just going back to Wawrinka, it's just what we say about tennis, isn't it? It is it is matchups, and other than other than Medvedev versus New York, Stan versus Djokovic is one that I think always gets everyone's attention, <laughs> just because in the Grand Slams now in the last what is it, five years, Wawrinka's beaten Djokovic four times, which is something that Federer hasn't done in that period. Nadal hasn't done it off clay. Um, it just brings out the best in him. And it's, it's felt all year like Wawrinka was almost on the cusp of getting back to his best. And he's just been building and building. And he kind of needed this opportunity to play Djokovic. And he was fortunate in a sense that Djokovic was slightly compromised. But even if Djokovic wasn't, I still think Wawrinka could have could have taken him out here because he just he plays so well against him. Yeah, I think I think the form he was in tonight, I think he would have taken some stop. And I think Djokovic at his very best would have taken him into to to the latter stages. Uh, the, sure, you know, and 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 may well have beaten him, but just because he he is that good. Um, but he wasn't at his best and mentally he wasn't at his best um and it's yeah yeah i mean it's it's a worry really this uh, this uh, the shoulder injury for him and and you wonder whether he'll bother that much with the rest of the year we'll we'll wait to see what he says i mean the, he, the one he, the, he's he's he has just said in in his press that he's going to reevaluate and he hopes to play tokyo of course he's 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 trying to play tokyo this year to get used to the conditions he's been quite open about that ahead of the olympics next year which he which he sees as a, a goal obviously the Olymp- the olympic gold that he's that he's never never won and he wants to go to tokyo to see the courts the conditions so i think that's his next planned event which he says he's hoping to get to but he didn't really go into much detail about the injury yeah yeah, I mean, he's he's congratulating Stan here in the in the quotes that I'm looking at. I mean, the one the one element to this result that that I think is something that's currently being debated is whether he should have retired with you know what what are probably a handful of games still to go. If if he knows he's going to lose, do you, do should you play out the rest of the match even if you're basically tanking and giving him the match, or is it better to just do as he's done and and save everybody those pointless games? What, what what's your view? I do think it's difficult to say. You know, we are not in Novak Djokovic's body. We don't know exactly how he's feeling, and as I said before he does have that experience of playing through pain and it ending up affecting him all i know is that just from watching the match it was a it was a disappointing spectator experience just to see that end just so abruptly but it probably would have been a bit disappointing anyway just to see him you know completely not able to compete in the last few games so i'm not sure there's a right or wrong answer to that question really it just feels disappointing i didn't i didn't particularly like the booing i think that's i don't no, think I that's necessary i don't like that I don't, I don't like that i mean you know he's he's given he has you know over the years he's given a lot and yeah i mean he is clearly hurt it's not he's not pretending he's hurt he is hurt um and it's a question of whether he strings it out a bit longer or not really isn't it um which yeah uh, I, I either way he's losing the match yeah. from that position 
Yeah, I, I, I don't. And also, the, the other thing is, he gets so much crap, really, from, from the crowd in New York, and he has over the years. It's, I, I would forgive him for, thi- for thinking, what do I owe you, really? You know, after after some of the stuff I've had here mm. over the years, um, but at the same time, I I uh, from a, I, I just have this in me that I th- kind of feel like get to the end of the match, just get to the unless you, unless you unless you have an injury that's going to worsen, and I, I suppose the question mark is whether you know or not. If you don't know, then you're better off erring mm. on the side of caution. But if you if you've been told you'll be you know, he's played two two and a bit sets. I prefer that, you, that he finishes it and let Stan have that as a victory. But you know, these are—it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Um, no, and 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 Stan is certainly lapping up his victory. I've just been monitoring his Twitter activity, and he's already he's already replying to a French journalist who said, "Oh, it looks like we're getting closer to that uh, Federer Nadal final." And he just said, "Oh, if we already know the final, should should all the rest of us just go home then?" <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Stan. Uh, he's he's fun fun to be around, Stan Marinka. Um, <laughs> he it is interesting though. Though I mean, I, I think when when we realised that Djokovic had got this injury and that he was going to play Stan, I, I did think, especially after seeing Federer against Evans, I thought, I think this is going to happen. <laughs> I think this is happening in the final. <laughs> I mean, well, well what do you think? You said. Well, you sent a, a message in block capitals on our WhatsApp group saying after, what was it, 17 years of going to the US Open and not seeing Federer Nadal, just please just give it to me once. <laughs> um, but it, it has always felt like the universe has just kept them apart in New York. There's so many occasions where they've been one match away from playing each other. So even if they both reach the semis, I think, that's probably the situation where it might go a bit awry, but, I, still but still, I think there is, and there are difficult matches ahead of them, but they are going to be the favourites in every match that they play now. Yeah, yeah. Um, we mentioned Daniel Medvedev earlier. He was sort of wrapping up his his win, and you mentioned Daniel Medvedev against New York. And the reason for that is because he's had another outburst, and he's once again uh, <laughs> taken on the booing crowd. It, it's almost like I used to when I was a kid. I, I remember watching uh, awful movies like Godzilla against the Smog Monster and things <laughs> like that. And uh, and now we've got Daniel Medvedev against New York. I mean, it, it is funny. He's he's he has apologised, I think, in his press comments uh, about the towel incident with that ball person yesterday, which which he's right to do because that was not good. Um, but the rest of it, the rest of it, as as Catherine cannot get enough of telling us, is magnificent. <laughs> yeah, and I even saw that little sort of dance he did when he won that was absolutely hilarious as well as all the lapping up the booing um yeah it's it's just funny i just i just yeah. find it funny i don't i don't really have any sort of big take on it other than the fact that just more please because it's making me laugh a lot <laughs> right uh, rest of the tournament matt what what are you th- what what are you thinking now as a sign off um well, yeah. So it, this obviously has to? changed things. Because- who do you th- who do you think who do you think we're going to be talking about on the final weekends? Who are you? Who are you, what are you most excited about? I mean, the possibility of the first Federer Nadal in New York 
with the Grand Slam race on the line in the final. That's pretty exciting, I must say, from a men's tournament point of view. Um, and obviously, Federer has owned their rivalry recently, certainly off clay. So if they were to meet, it would just be... I think they're in a really fascinating stage of their rivalry at the moment. Their whole, you know, for 15 years, it's been about how, how can Federer adapt to Nadal? And now it's about how can Nadal adapt to Federer? And I think that's an interesting shift and dynamic, which I would like to see play out. But equally, potentially, there's a chance for this dominance of the big three to be broken. I think with Djokovic going out, Wawrinka will be full of confidence, but he's got a mental block against Federer and the matchup there isn't as good for him. Nadal, I can't really see losing before the final, just based on who's left in his draw, to be honest. I think I think Nadal's pretty, a fairly safe bet to get to the final. It's, it's more whether Federer can navigate his way past Medvedev and, and Wawrinka, but yeah, it's, it's it's going to be a really interesting week now, and Djokovic going out does does open it up. Yeah, yeah, I I don't think um, Medvedev is going to have enough left in the tank here. I think he's I think he's on empty. I think Vavrinka is going to mm. take him out. To be honest, yeah, and then we'll end up with Federer Vavrinka in the semis. Federer yeah. to beat Dimitrov. Yeah, and and I, I can't. I just. I can't see beyond Federer and Nadal. I really can't. Um, but, you know, we'll see. What about the women's side? Well, I was blown away by Naomi Osaka's performance against Goff at times. I thought, you know, that, that, that feeling of just the way she hits the ball with such power and the sound it makes off the strings that it's kind of been missing for a few months. It just all seemed to be back. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to see if she can keep it up. But... Throwing, throwing it ahead to tomorrow, she, she's lost her two matches against Bengshich this year. So that is a big hurdle for her. And then, I mean, the bottom half is is fascinating. So obviously we've got Conta now plays Svitolina, who Svitolina leads their head-to-head. I, th- I was looking for love, but... Pliskova, really? Uh, wow. But obviously, yeah, but obviously Conta trailed that head-to-head against Pliskova and managed to turn it around. So yeah. Svitolina I mean, I, beat her... Madison Keys in straight sets tonight and didn't get touched on a serve, did she? She was fantastic on a serve, Svitolina, tonight. Yeah, I, th- I think I read that Keys only managed to get 50 or something percent of returns in play, which just is not is not going to get the job done against Svitolina. And she obviously protected her serve really well. It's, it's interesting with Keys. I mean, seven of the last nine slams now, she's she's made the second week. And yet, She's only actually beaten a player ranked higher than her three times in that period. She 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 does seem to have a bit of a ceiling at these slams. It's a it's a bit strange, I find, um, because she seems to have the game, and yet it slightly deserts her in the really big matches and big moments. I mean, I can't remember her ever playing a sort of epic, if you know what I mean. It's sort of she doesn't have particularly memorable matches in these slams. She she almost gets through to the latter stages without you really noticing and then she goes out kind of without you really noticing as well. Um but then obviously Serena is is the most important player left in that bottom half of of the draw in terms of her ability to either rip, rip through the draw, come unstuck, and what's on the line for her. So just watching her next week is going to be fascinating. Yeah, 
yeah it is okay matt i think uh, it, it might be time for bed <laughs> Again, for me at uh, midnight and you at 5 a.m. Um, it all happens again tomorrow. Um, we will be back. We'll have another tennis podcast after play, of course, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com, um, mascotted by Rio with a Y. We will start play, I think, at 11 again tomorrow or 12 I can't remember what time it starts local time um, and uh, yeah Catherine's already reeled off the order of play we can't wait um, and so yeah tell everybody you know about the podcast and uh, get everybody listening to us and we'll speak to you tomorrow even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 